0: arsehole badger watch or something like
1: hello and welcome to a special lockdown episode of grape culture the podcast where three women drink wine remotely talk about pop culture and what is going on in the world oh and also some feminism so once again, we are recording via Squadcast because we're still in lockdown in the UK. And so yeah, please bear with us if there are some technical difficulties or some quality issues. We are doing the best we can. On this week's show, we are going to be discussing mansplaining. What it is, what our experiences of it are and what the hell you can do about it. But before we get on to that, we've all got some booze in our houses that we've managed to wrangle from the corner shop. Uh, so <laughs> what, <laughs> what has everyone got? Uh, Alex, do you want to kick off?
0: I have got some. How do you say this? Opie. 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 I think it is some Opie Oriental Spiced London Dry Gin, forty percent.
1: Not. It was given to me as a present,
0: as a thank you. No wine today, then. No wine. Um, uh, but I can give you the gin tasting notes if you so desire. yes, wow. uh, discover discover the exotic intensity of the ancient spice root. Cubans from Indonesia, black pepper no cubes from Indonesia, black pepper from India and coriander from Morocco, handpicked to create a unique spice gin. Well there you go. I'm having it with cheap tonic. And some berries from my freezer. Fancy berries.
1: Nice. Kim, what about you?
0: Um, I'm not being fancy. I have got
2: uh, one of the only wines that was not robbed from the shop up the road. Enjoy the sunshine and warm South American nights captured by the vines of Argentina Capital letters. I'm not just shouting for effect. Oh my I God.
0: God, you didn't tell us that. You were just shouting.
2: It's right. So when I shout, that's when the description is in capital letters for no apparent reason. okay,
0: okay. Enjoy the
2: sunshine and warm South American nights captured by the vines of Argentina. Red berries, black currants, and spice combined to complement your favourite steak, grill, and meat stew dishes. Store in a cool, dry place. Drink within a year of purchase.
1: I've got the Saints and Zinners. That's with a Z or a Z. Uh, 2016 Zinfandel um, from the heart of the coastal vineyards of California. Blessed as they are by a congregation of saints' names, it's not. It's not really a comment. Whatever. Um, comes this savoury Zinfandel with which is berry temptation in a glass. It's not Ribena. Settle down. Um, <laughs> Vibrant aromas of spicy clove, vanilla, and generous fruit give way to plum and juicy blackberries in the mouth. I love juicy blackberries in the mouth. Um, enjoy on its own or with barbecued foods and revel in its fu- fruit purity.
0: Jesus Christ! Everything we're drinking sounds ridiculous.
2: That sounds like a wine that like a really peppy person is describing. Yeah, it sounds like, like a Californian would describe it. Like, it was, like, the best thing I ever had. Like, I reveled in the oh, freak purity of it. Fuck off.
1: Whilst I work out what I think of this, whether I like it or not, as we can't all be together drinking the same thing, I think we should do um, Alex's Scenarios with our drinks. Oh, okay. All of us.
2: Who's going to start? Give me start. Because mm, me... hmm it's around 11 o'clock in the evening not the morning and not <laughs> the morning it's, it's not an 11 a.m wine and i've had oh, no, so it's Pinot Grigio. <laughs> <laughs> i've had people around for a barbecue since about ooh, two o'clock and we've drunk everything in the house and someone <laughs> goes i'll just run up to a to unnamed corner shop up the road, and see what they've got. Does anyone have any preferences? And everyone goes, "No, nah, it's fine as long as it's red." And this is what they come back with.
0: Okay, what is my gin telling me? It is two thousand <laughs> and six. Specific. It's two thousand and six, and I've Wait, yeah. That's like that's like six, like year 11 or something. Anyway, it's 2006 and um I'm on a trip to Magaluf. with uh, <laughs> with someone called Keely and someone called Tyrone. <laughs> <laughs> and um we've turned up at the hotel that is not very luxurious (laughs) and decides to get into our swimwear that we've purchased from Primark specifically for the holiday Um, and in true buying from Primark style I have not tried on my bikini and it's a little bit tight and not very flattering so I go down to the pool with Tyrone and (laughs) Keeley and is that their names? Um, And then, yeah, and um, I'm trying to hide my wobbly bits that are expanding out around my bikini from Primark. And uh, I feel a little bit embarrassed because Tyrone is a gym buff and he's looking exquisite in the Magaluf sunshine. (laughs) So I hit the bar and I say, give me something spicy and they give me this gin and that, ladies and gentlemen, Is what this drink is giving me. (laughs) (laughs) That
1: might be my new (laughs) favourite. That's
2: so specific. So it's chavy, all
1: inclusive gin, is what you're saying.
0: But it's not chavy. I
1: don't think it's a chavy gin. It is an Alex's story.
0: No, it's it's tasting like it's trying to be fancy. Is that but, you're drinking it with cheap tonic? They mean, yeah, maybe. But it's trying to be fancy, and actually, you're just in a in a hotel in Magaluf trying to pretend that you're a grown up when really you've got your fifteen year old love handles hanging out.
2: Excellent. I went to
0: Newquay when I was fifteen, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I went to I went actually went to uh Bournemouth when I was 15 so you know this is just wishful thinking being with Tyrone and (laughs) Keeley
1: well there's no Tyrone and Keeley in mine I don't think
0: oh um
1: it's so okay let me think it's definitely it's definitely summer and you've gone round to one of your friend's houses but it's one of those friends who's really posh and has like a swimming pool and stuff and you're there and you feel a bit like I hope no one notices that I'm not posh Um, so you take this wine but because all of the rest of the wine there is so posh you just keep it and drink it to yourself out of shame um, so that no one else has to taste it but it's actually really good and it gets you fucked
0: (laughs) and what are you wearing in this scenario and what is everyone else wearing i'm wearing
1: a floaty maxi dress that i thought at the time looked really chic but actually it turns out when i get there it's a bit (gasps) (laughs) see-through and yeah everyone else by the end of the evening is drinking cognac and i'm just still guzzling away at this getting plastered. it's really nice (laughs)
0: So it's unexpected cheap niceness.
1: Yes. It's like it's one of those wines that feels it feels fizzy, but it's not fizzy because it's so sharp. It's really sharp. Which is weird for a red. It's
2: nice. Cheers. Interesting. Cheers. Cheers.
1: Cheers. Tequile and Tyrone.
2: <laughs> Tequila and Tyrone.
1: Oh, Tyrone with his rippling muscles. Talking of Tyrone, mansplain. <laughs> What is it? What do we mean by mansplaining? Who wants to kick off with that one? Who wants to mansplain
2: um, it to us? I actually got asked this by my partner when I said what we were talking about tonight, and he was like, "Did he he
0: not know what it was?"
2: No, he was like, "Is it? Is that the one where people explain something to you, or is it the one where?" You spread your legs on public transport and i was like obviously it's fantastic <laughs> um but then I said, yeah bless it. i had to stop and think about that properly i was like what on earth is he talking about but so i i said you know oh it's it's when a man gen- explains something to a woman normally that she knows something that she knows more about than he does as if he as if she doesn't know anything. And the the word that we landed on was condescension. And then I looked it up and it was pretty much exactly that. Um, not necessarily that uh, that she knows more than he does, but that a man explains... Um, usually a man explains, usually to a woman, something in a way that is condescending or patronising.
1: Yeah. And I think also when...
2: I don't even think it's
1: necessarily um, when she knows more about it than he does, which uh, I think I agree that I think that happens a lot. But I also think it's when an explanation is given unasked, and yeah, that's that's kind of irrelevant, like talking yeah, that's, the sake of talking.
2: that's what we landed on. It wasn't always when she knows more than he does, although I think that's how it originated. But like just this kind of patronizing condescending let me help you out attitude yeah so why
1: do we think this happens because some people um some men have uh and even when i was looking up the like some information for this podcast um i found a thing that was like what is wrong with these liberal women like basically saying that mansplaining doesn't exist Um, why do we think men do it (laughs) It's a pissing
2: contest. Okay. It's, Lovely. I know more than you do. I'm more intelligent than you are. I I can piss further than you can. Sometimes, not all the time, but I think, like, that's my first reaction, is it's, it's boosting their own ego. It's the, I am better than. Not necessarily you, not necessarily the woman to whom they are speaking, but it is... I am better than because I know things and I think it's not always, but can be related to. And I think particularly when, when it's not men who are doing it, but like women who are doing it to other women, um, it can be related to an insecurity where you're like, the only way I can be part of a conversation or um, contribute or be conceived, be seen as interesting or smart or whatever is to, dump random facts on people because i think it's related to that because i do that when i'm nervous i i um, hate
1: homes with murdering people
2: <laughs> yeah pretty much like by the way did you know and it's and it's not it's not because i think anyone is stupid it's because i don't have i don't it's like my nervous sort of tick it's like I do not feel necessarily comfortable in the situation that I'm in. So let me tell you this interesting fact that reveals absolutely nothing about me that I think is interesting, that shows you how well-read and clever I am. I think it's a branching off of that. And I think it's an insecurity and a look how great I am most of the time. I also think in a more extreme case, it it is used to it is consciously used well not consciously might be the wrong word but like it is used to belittle women or reflects an inherent belittling of women
1: do you think any of it actually comes from a genuine i am trying to
0: help place some of it yeah i mean it must do like all these people can't just be assholes Surely. <laughs>
2: Hello, Alex. <laughs> Meet people.
0: <laughs> no, but like...
2: Sam, that's the... Uh, that's the <laughs> but,
0: but, yeah, I mean, surely not everyone can be an asshole and that self-centred that they just think that the sound of their own voice is more important than the actual point. I think sometimes it can be
2: well-meaning, but it's proof positive of um, not not thoroughly reading the question before you make your answer
1: i think you're right i think some of it is nervousness i think some of it is uh an inability to know how to interact um in a meaningful way without just going bah! and just saying things that you know um and i also yeah i i to be honest i agree with you I, on all points i think there are men out there who will see a woman who is confident and knows something and then have to be like, mm, no, honey. I know more than you. Just you know, just can Um I but yeah, I think even when it comes to people trying to help, I think the way they're trying to help indicates a lack of awareness of interaction with people.
0: Hmm. I I think when I've come across it personally, uh it's definitely been from either someone who is trying to assert themselves in some way um because they feel like you say threatened by a woman maybe or a person maybe knowing more than they do about a certain subject um Or it's been because that person has no clue about social interaction and actually just throws lots of information that actually nine times out of ten isn't correct just to try and prove that they seem interesting or that they are worth a conversation with.
1: So, Kim, you said that you are aware that you do it sometimes. Um, Alex, you mentioned about the times that it's happened to you. Are there any actual specific examples of mansplaining that have happened to any of us that we would like to share? I'd like Alex to go
0: first. No, why? <laughs> Just because I don't do, want to. You that do more time. So I do specific. have examples. Um, I can think of a very specific example that didn't happen to me that I witnessed not that long ago, um, and it was in the gym. And I go to like classes, and one of the trainers, who is lovely and hilarious, I really, really like her, um, she um there is a person that goes to this gym who is very alpha male um and likes to very much assert his status as alpha male in every kind of situation and in every class. And is short of highly... flopping his tongue on the kettlebells yeah. oh god he's so annoying um, I'm sure when you get to know him I'm sure he's probably a really lovely guy but every single time I've had a conversation with him he he's very me me I I and has very little that I am interested in hearing about um, and I I can't remember the specific conversation but he essentially tried to explain her job to her like she was she had just taught a class she's been training for god knows how many years and teaching for god knows how many years and he essentially tried to tell her what her job was back at her and belittle her and so I didn't really catch completely, but he left and she looks so unbelievably pissed off. And then on Instagram later did a whole rant about mansplaining um, and how she has not got time for it. So, um, but I think also in gyms and things like that, you're maybe going to come across people that want to be alpha, maybe more than in this like the coffee shop or whatever.
1: Toxic masculinity element to public workout spaces um Mm. not saying everyone that goes there is guilty of that but I think that's one of those places that is like you say uh somewhere people go to assert their dominance so yes
0: and there's an element of competition in any kind of like situation where you're trying to be the be the better and the stronger person so um it's going to attract those kind of people really and people that are going to try and be the better and dominant person in conversation, as well as in physical strength.
2: I was trying to think, cause I, I, I know that it's happened, but the main ones that I can think of have all related around my last job. Um, when I was either interviewing or trying to train, uh, young men in the art of book cataloging. Um, and I just got a lot of, sounds like the driest porno ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Title of my sex tape. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so dry. Use lube.
2: <laughs> Leather creamy all over, bitch. <laughs> oh um, but just, I I noticed it whenever I interviewed. There were there were two or three people that I interviewed who all happened to be men who when when we talked about the way that we handled books or the way um so i'm sure we've mentioned it on the podcast before but we used to all work in a a bookseller an antique bookseller um when we talked about the way that we handled books or the way that we catalogued books or the way that we did anything in the things i got variations on oh, but that's not how you're supposed to do it. And actually, did you not know that this is very rare? And Thomas Aquinas said, and blah, blah, blah. And couldn't give a fuck, Jones. And in various, various ways, like a lot of the time it was people who had their own collection and would never dream of not using gloves. And like, please fuck off. But I also had, because I... I threw in questions because I tried to get to know the people that we were interviewing about like people's book tastes and stuff. I got a lot of like, I definitely know everything about this, this book and I'm going to quote something at you and give you my opinion on it. And I was sat there thinking I've got a master's in this and you've just misquoted and misanalyzed the picture of Dorian Gray and you can, you can fuck off now, which is, The most niche and the most douchey version of this, (laughs) and I appreciate that, but it's. But her point is, it's that's your area of expertise,
1: yeah. And someone is trying to explain that to you.
0: Do you think? Do you think so? It's just come to me because we're talking about like a job that is very, I suppose, niche attracts people that are maybe academic, but also maybe attracts people that um, are quite privileged. Or have mm-hmm. had a privileged upbringing, and so do you think mansplaining and arrogance <laughs> maybe come from a place of privilege as well, um, and 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 maybe that's why typically it has been men because mm-hmm. men are more privileged than women have been have been anyway.
1: I think there's definitely an element really of that. I think there might be. Okay, but I don't think it's privilege in the sense of, um, like wealth. I think male privilege is a very different
0: thing. Mm. Often it is. Yeah, I don't. I don't, wealth, nec- I don't necessarily yeah. mean like because also that person that went to Oxford and got a first may come from a really poor background. I mean, I really doubt it. But like, you know, in terms of they have it, been do pretty- happen. Yeah, yeah but like, mean, they, I'm being, they, like, I'm being privileged in their education and and um, the stepping stones that they've had from that. I don't know whether it
2: necessarily was affluence in the like privilege in the term of affluence or privilege in the term of knowledge because most of the mansplaining that I've encountered is from people who do have knowledge. Like, Dorian Gray aside, these mm-hmm. people... I always refer refer to him as Dorian Gray as well, because I can't actually remember his real name. Um, but Dorian Gray aside, these people were very educated and were able to speak intelligently on a number of subjects that I didn't know about, and that's great. But there was an element of assuming that because you know one thing, you know everything.
1: I think, yeah, in this sense, privilege is... Um, well in a lot of senses, privilege is something that not that the majority of people do not have access to um, or do not experience like
0: globally not not necessarily like just the majority but you know we talk about how men are more have been more privileged than women they have had more doors open to them than we necessarily would do.
1: But, yeah, no, that's true. But no, we're, the majority and of... The we're half of the, the population. No, there's more of us, so technically... Well, there you go. <laughs> My point's at. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I think you're right, though. Privilege and the maybe perceived threat to that privilege or the idea that it might not actually mean anything. Yeah. Mm. Uh, is it can be a big part of it i think you're right alex
0: and and that they have been probably challenged less in their life yeah they've had
1: to and the way they prove themselves is as you said as we come back to the very first very per the very first point that kim made this pissing contest thing of like i don't know how to have a meaningful interaction so "Ah, i'm doing it better yeah 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 obviously it's happened more than once it's not like there was an inst- one instance but there's one that always stands out to me which is um i used to run an event that was kind of it was a spoke it was a spoken word thing that was part of a network across the country and actually like an international thing so they did, did it in canada they did it in the us and i think germany and a couple of other places so there were other factions that is important to this story that's not just me being like <laughs> international um <laughs> So I used to run this event and then um, run it for about six months and then and then stopped. Someone who I still work with <laughs> um, then went to a, a, the same event, but run by a different organiser in a different city. Uh, and because the event is tangentially related to my day job, um, he was like, oh, have you heard about this thing? And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I used to run the Bristol run and I used to host it. And he was like, and then he then proceeded to explain to me the structure of the entire evening, um, what happened, why it was such a good idea, why we should get involved in it, and just kept going. And I was like, N- no, I, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> that's
2: amazing. Oh, God. I know.
1: Like, just completely steamrolled over the fact that I fucking ran, hosted, you know, funded, did the entire thing and was just like, no, I'm going to tell you my thoughts on this.
0: <laughs> that's just pure non-listening skills. I don't even know if that's mansplaining. That is just that's, like... No, that is that's so exactly like what happens to Rebecca Solnit.
2: So, Sam, you know uh, Men things to me by rebecca oh
1: okay yeah yeah. which i
2: believe is where the phrase was actually coined because in it she tells the story about how Uh, she yeah was right like someone came up to her like a a literary party basically and was and he said to her like oh what do you do she's like oh you know i'm i'm writing something about you know like i i study human behavior and 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 how men talk at women like and condescend to them and blah blah oh my god you should read this book it's it's about to come out like blah 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 and it's exactly like that And it's all about how men explain things to women and condescend to them and 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 everything and she's like you know i wrote it Uh, and he and he's like no 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 it's it's different it's different and it has this story and this story and it's all about this 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 and this and she's like yeah no i wrote it and he's literally talking about her book to her and expl- Matt, and that's where the, the term was coined and that's like almost that's in a direct parallel. that's amazing and tor- horrible obviously horrible but fascinating
0: so
1: we're going to take a quick break uh but before we go should we talk about the booze that we've had tonight booze yes. up until this point anyway there's more to come <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Sam, I'm most intrigued about yours. Uh, tell me, how is the Zinfandel going? Because we don't often have a Zinfandel. No, I d- have we had one at all? I don't remember. I feel like maybe we've had a something Zinfandel, like a, a Zinfandel mix. I feel like I, I or don't like a yeah, Zinfandel, uh, but the the rose version, white of Zinfandel, the white rose. rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I'm I'm really really enjoying this, and it's a shame that we can't all be together because I think you guys would like it as well. Maybe we can get it for another podcast about um let's get I think this would be great for a Madonna Whore episode personally. Um what's I really
0: want to talk they, about that. what's they called again? Tell me what it's called Saints,
1: Saints and Zinners. I don't know whether it's vegan uh because I just put it in my face. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm really enjoying it. It's you know how when we've had the biodynamic reds in the past, we've been like oh they're light and then this and they're that but they've always just been a bit like a <sighs> bit bitter this is it has the sharpness but it also has the body whereas they were always a bit like lacking in body so this kind of has both um i'm really enjoying it
2: interesting i'm a bit hell Sars, so, we'll get more don't worry mm-hmm. sunday times wine club guys i honestly i spent a good half hour of the day today looking at different wine clubs and then ultimately deciding that Twelve bottles every three months is just not enough.
1: Um, how about you guys? What? How's your gin and wine not together? That'd be weird.
0: Mm. Be great. Why do I have had a, a gin a wine gin like a? We've uh, had gin we, wine. We, we we've had gin wine as well. We've had
2: gin wine.
0: Um, but I've had um. Gin, in fact, we've got some on the shelf that is gin. It's more the spirit with like the taste of wine or something. It's a bit weird. How does it appear to you? <laughs> um yeah, no, it's tasty. It's just it's quite Because um, it is so spiced and with tonic as well, it's just quite um you can't drink it very quickly. And so I've only had one and a half.
2: Darn it fresher.
0: Yeah. It's just it's it's too, it's too That's the problem with flavoured stuff problem with flavour. Well no, but but like if it was I, I like a flavoured gin because I like a rhubarb or something like that and you can drink that really quickly, but this is quite it's more of like a an after dinner drink or something rather than let's sit and get boozy. very so different to how I found that gin
2: because I always thought of it as like a pre dinner like cocktail drink. Like it's your start drink. You have like one or two with ginger beer before going to meet you guys in the park to have cider. It's not a session drink. No. Yeah, that's fair.
1: And Kim, your corner shop shit, how is My that? My corner
2: shop shit is very easy drinking, to be fair. Um, as as suits a we've been drinking all day and need a filler drink drink. Um, it's fine. It's, it's not giving me major heartburn, as some cheap wines do. It's major not... Heartburn. It's not um, offensively oaky or offensively bluff. It's just it's a little bit plasticky. It's fine.
1: And on that Elephant River note, let's have a break. So we are back from our break. I think we're all still... No, we're not all continuing to drink the same booze. Alex has switched to Bombay Sapphire. Um, yeah, straight gin. Just straight.
0: Straight, no, no, with tonic. <laughs> Sorry, no. I, that, I didn't. It's in like it's straightforward gin.
1: Welcome to grape culture after dark,
0: <laughs> <laughs> just where we neck neat gin.
1: So it's called mansplaining, what we're talking about. Um, the act of describing something or giving someone information that they either do not need or that they do not want um, in a really condescending and shitty manner. Do we think that mansplaining is a fair term? Do we think it's just a male thing or do women do it as well and people of other genders? Uh,
0: definitely not just a male th- thing. Yeah, definitely not. It, yeah, I, I, I think it, it, it comes from... So when we were talking about privilege and stuff like that, it probably comes from male privilege originally and that's where the term mansplaining came from um but I definitely feel that it happens to me a lot more with women than it does really? with men well, that's yeah. interesting um I, I don't know if it's just a kind of I don't know whether it is also because in my place of work, and also I suppose in in lots of industries, because men are usually uh, further at the top. Of the at the top yeah, um, I kn- often, yeah, I know a lot of women that have had to prove themselves so much that they deserve to be where they are in their jobs, and so therefore. Um, a lot of their conversation can be still trying to prove themselves. And so that's a lot of talking at people. And so if we're going, yeah, if we're going via the definition about kind of um, talking over someone and not necessarily listening to what they have to say, um, to get their point across or because they feel that their point is more interesting or I find that women don't necessarily do it with an arrogance. They do it with the trying to prove themselves. And I come across that more often than I do arrogant twas. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think I've obviously identified that I don't think it's just men because I do it. Um, And I think, but I think what you said, Alex, about, for women, it comes from a place of insecurity, whereas for men more often it comes from a place of arrogance, I think is is definitely my lived experience. Um, I outside of me doing it, I definitely feel like I've mostly experienced it with men, but definitely in my academic life, with the kind of things that I studied. I got a lot of women thinking that they know a lot of shit because a lot of women do know a lot of shit. And um, because a lot of women study literature, but I, I I struggle to think of examples of women doing it as easily as I I can think of men doing it. And outside of my own experience, just like what I see on the internet you know, that gospel text, Um, it's a lot more likely to be a man doing it. But the flip side to this is, while I think both genders, or all genders, can do it, all genders can have it done to them. Like, I have definitely seen examples of experts in their field who identify as male being condescendingly talked down to by people who identify as female incorrectly in the same way that we're talking about everything else. And um, I mean, you only have to look at the uh, Brexit so-called experts bullshit to look at that, to examine that phenomena of, um arrogant people talking down people who actually know what they're talking about out of bravado and or security insecurity
1: um yeah i, I agree i don't think i don't think mansplaining is um i see completely its roots i see as we've talked about the, the fact that it comes from a place of privilege um But I do think that the things that we are saying that certain men are guilty of, women are also guilty of, and other genders are guilty of. Um, And I I find it interesting as well, Kim, that you obviously you've spoken about, you know, uh, doing things from a place of insecurity because you want to prove that you're not just... What you're like, you're not just your background from your parents, Um, yeah. Which is also which is also something that I know I do because, but from the reverse side, of like, yeah, I'm not just I'm not just a poor kid. I know stuff, like, so I I completely see that and I know I do it, um. So I I completely agree, and I work with people as well who do it, and it drives me up the fucking wall. Um, and when I say people, I mean not men. (laughs) Um. But I think the difference is, and I think the reason that it has got the term mansplaining is not because a man did it and someone leapt on that. I think it's because it's the attitude with which it's done is the attitude of the patriarchy, which is let's shit on everyone that isn't us.
0: Mm.
1: Maybe? I don't know. Mm. I just
2: made that up. <laughs> it's an othering. <laughs> yeah, right. It sounds good. It's, a it's an othering. Because I think that you could just as easily call it white explaining.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, that's a great example. When you say white explaining, like, I've got a great example. White
2: explaining is definitely a thing. I don't know if it's a coin term because I'm white and obviously have a blind spot, um, much as I try not to. But white splaining is definitely a thing where you're like, oh no, but the suffering, the suffering. There was. This is so moving. And I think guide. American Dirt is a perfect example of that. Sorry, sorry. I know that you're trying to say something. Bear with two sex.
1: My bear American is with Dirt. you.
2: <laughs> American Dirt is a perfect example of that, where it's um, a novel that is being told about the suffering of the immigrant narrative, but it's being told by someone who is. It's the own voices thing, like she's not own voices and she's super white and it's really badly handled and it's been a big scandal. And you can look up white splaining, I think, is if you look at mansplaining from the perspective of white splaining, I think it changes how you approach it. Sam, you go.
1: This kind of leads on to, I think, what should what is our final point of the night, which is a. If you, or it's kind of, it's a two pronger, guys. Um, it's a if you come across mansplaining and you have to deal with it, or someone acting in a mansplaining way, what is the best way to respond? And B, how can you be aware of if you're doing it? And if you are, how the hell can you stop? Anyone got any thoughts? So, from my point of view, I think I. Honestly, the how do you deal with it? I don't know because my go-to is to just nod and then go away and fume. So I don't. Yeah, that's, that's not the way. You should, not the way you should deal with it. It's either, it, and then you battle against the idea of like, if you stand up and go, you are being a condescending dick splash. Then you get like you get into the whole like angry woman like stereotype and then you have to get out of your head of thinking like that because it's like, if you're worrying about people are thinking of you, why are doing that? So I, I really don't know. I find it really hard to deal with, but mm. when it comes to thinking about whether you're doing it, if you're talking to someone and they've started talking about a subject and you've jumped in on that subject, I think an important thing to think is, has this person given any indication that they know more than you about this subject? And if the answer is yes, then let them speak before you start telling them about it, or ask them questions. Don't just tell them what you know. Mm. I think that's the thing: is that it's all statements. It's not. It's not a conversation. It becomes an "I know more than you" pissing contest. Talk. Yeah. To them, ask them fucking
2: questions about it. Don't be an ass. Um, yeah. And on that note, as well, like it's not necessarily that you need to ask them questions or figure out if they know more than you. But like, if they're talking about something and you've interrupted them Mm. question whether you're interrupting them to say something or to add to something because if you are just being like yes but I also know this that probably doesn't add stuff whereas if you are if you are among equals and among people who you you will appreciate this kind of debate if you added in an opinion or a fact, even if it's wrong or you know less or a question, a healthy debate will be sparked. But I think if you are, if you are waiting to talk rather than listening to what they hear, listening to what they say and adding to the conversation, responding to something that they have immediately said at a natural pause in the conversation then I think that's a really telling thing because I think people don't pay attention to natural pauses in the conversation. I think this podcast is an excellent (laughs) example of that. If you are talking over someone about something that's, and they're still mid flow and you can, you can tell, like you can tell that they have more to say then take a step back. And I think that's, always my argument is even if you realize that you've done it because it happens because you can end up doing it without realizing it take a step back
0: i i I think we're talking a lot about interruption which isn't necessarily mansplaining but i understand that it comes from a place of arrogance as well, that what one has to say is more important than what the person currently is saying. Um, but I do think they are separate points. In terms of dealing with it when someone else is doing it to you, I think because we'd say that it happens all the time, like we all naturally deal with it internally and then maybe externally voicing it later on. But in terms of like the really, really key moments, like the examples we spoke about that have obviously stuck with us for a really long time Mm -hmm. and pissed us off a great deal. Um, I think it also comes back to when we were doing the podcast about being assertive. And as long as you kind of contain your anger, but, you know, steer it in a way that is, okay, you've pissed me off but I'm just going to be very true to myself right now. And there's subtle ways of letting someone know that they've pissed you off through body language and everything like that. If they don't pick up on it, then it's their own fault. But if they do, at least then you can kind of at least maybe potentially have a decent conversation following that.
2: Yeah, I agree with you to an extent, except that I sometimes think that subtlety is overrated as a very generally like swallow my pride subtle kind of person i know shocking um i think that sometimes the best thing you can do is acknowledge a thing and walk away Like in situations where someone is explaining something to you that you obviously know more about, Um, I think sometimes it's thank you for input. This has been very interesting. I actually already knew that. Leave.
0: See, I think it also depends on what the situation. If you're in, if you're, if you're talking to someone that maybe, so say, in a work situation that is a client you're obviously going to let them carry on talking because you want them to feel good about themselves and stuff because you're essentially in your mind, you've got an alternative kind of uh, reason for letting them feel like they're in a good mood. So it completely, I think it completely depends Yeah, on but
2: it's different. In my experience, it's either been with a subordinate or a manager. And I think there is a different way to deal with it, but with the subordinate, quote unquote, Um, honestly basically acknowledging that they said something and that you already said that or knew it is a way to go with an equal I think that's also a way to go Um, I think with a manager there's a certain level of respect that needs to be treated there because also there's a possibility that they're trying to teach you something that you don't already know but doing it the wrong way um and but I do I do think it's worth acknowledging the subject that they are talking about that overlaps with what you already know acknowledging that you already know what you think that they're trying to tell you I completely agree
1: that acknowledging it is helpful but I don't I genuinely don't feel in my heart of hearts going I knew that already is uh Either in all the situations that we talk about, where this where people might do this, whether they're insecure, whether they are wanting to assert themselves, um, or they don't understand human interaction, I don't feel like saying I know that already is helpful at all. I I just don't see that as a way of going. I think Mm -hmm. what is helpful is going further and asking them a question about what they've just said, because they'll either stumble and reveal that they actually don't know very much. And they've just been posturing the whole time or they'll realize that it's a conversation or it's just showing them the way, like it's a way of furthering the conversation without making them feel bad. And I, that's why I would say, okay, like say if you were teaching someone how to do something uh, in your, in your job um, that you obviously know better than this person who is new and you say this, 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 and they go, Oh yeah, because of this. And you go, yeah, but what did you think? like, how would you do all this? And then let them go for like. I just think it should be a conversation. I don't think me going, no, I already knew that is very helpful. Mm.
2: I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. When I said, I knew this example, I think I was thinking of like in a passing situation where you're in a situation like at a party or whatever, where you're like, I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to go yeah. there while I agree with you, like asking the question or acknowledging what they've said and the limitations of it, it's, I think that's the thing. If it's a day to day office work, blah, blah, blah thing, you need to, you do need to acknowledge it. Like you said, and you do need to address it. You can't just walk away. And you also can't go in guns blazing. Like, Oh, you're mansplaining how fucking dare you. And again, it's, it's, it's a case by case basis. I think asking questions is a really good way of doing it, but it depends on the relationship you have with that person. I think if you have a good relationship with that person where you can be like, that's a really interesting point. I actually already knew that, but I think you already know that what's like, what's going on is one question. Like, maybe like if you have a good enough relationship with someone getting to the root of why they're doing it is an opportunity if you don't asking a question and making them stumble is one way of doing it but it's also it's a little bit eye for eye it's a little bit humiliation-y it's
1: not even in my in my mind it's not even meant to be ask them a question and make them fuck up my point is if you ask them a question if they are insecure and they can then answer that question it might help them reassert their security and they might feel less like they're being put on the back foot if they can't answer it then maybe they should realize that they should listen to what the fuck you're saying and like yeah. it's it's not about trying to wrong foot someone it's about addressing that that basically killing two birds with one stone and finding out why someone's doing something
2: Yeah, that's a really good point, because I think what I try to do when people are talking to me like I don't know anything is acknowledge their knowledge and then be like, oh yeah, and also I read this article about X, Y, Z to prove my knowledge and leave it all nice and nicely like, that's always what I try to do, partially because my job is to leave everything nice and nicely, but like with people that I speak to who are like, oh, you know, but I've read this great, you know, like, oh, didn't so-and-so do this and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, that's so funny. Actually, I read this great article. You might find this really interesting. Let me know what you think about it. And then we can have a conversation later on about the same topic when ostensibly both parties feel the same level of informed, if that makes sense. If you yeah. share your information with them, but do they not feel they like they're,
1: do they not feel like they're just doing that to you? Are you then not going back and forward between the two things? If they think they're sharing their information and then you're sharing information and then it's going back and forth. I forward. think there's
2: a difference between this is the fact versus I read this article that says this is the fact. If you share an article or a news paper or a book or blah 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 with someone you can be like i learned this from this so i did the thing whereas i just know this out of my ass
1: my ass he is all knowledgeable well it's a he cool. i don't know why because men are assholes men's have buttholes men's has buttholes alex hello,
0: <laughs> hello. sure like <laughs> I just I, I, <laughs> I was just thinking like in terms of like surely it's just about having a conversation with someone and conversations aren't just sharing of facts regardless of if they come from an article or whether they come from like wh- whatever like facts are things that you found out from any kind of place originally like unless you're a scientist and you found the fact yourself so like i don't know i think like, I know, it's I think hard it's... to offer advice like you said kim i think it's a case-by-case basis it's hard to offer advice about trying to avoid and you know make a situation better when the situation itself is always completely different and unique so and there
1: will be points as well where no matter how reasonable or mature or whatever you're being and like how kind of you're trying to include this person in that conversation and or, or like make it make it a conversation and not just a Fact spouting mission. Exactly. A person won't have a chat. With it, and you just kind of have to go. Okay, and then walk away. <laughs> yeah, because
0: sometimes you people won't are just dicks.
1: Like sometimes you're like, That's not it it. it's not worth.
0: It's not worth. You're not going to get on with everyone, and sometimes mansplaining comes from a place of just someone's a dick. So and it's just not worth the stress to yourself. Yeah, move on. Like, yeah, there's no point in going round and round with it.
1: So, on a mansplaining note, that brings us to the end of the show this week. But before we go, we're going to have to rate the boozes that we've been drinking. So, well, we don't have to, but we're going to anyway. Um, So, I'll start, because I can, and I'm here. Um, So, I was drinking the Saints and Zinners Zinfandel, 2016. Um, It was really tasty. Uh, A red wine that I would voluntarily go, yeah, I'm going to have that in an evening, of which there are maybe about five. So, I'm going to give it a four out of five.
2: Ooh, high praise indeed! Hi, very good, it's very
1: good.
0: Who wants to go next? I'll go next because it's just gin. Full stop. <laughs> just <laughs> gin. <laughs> um, how do you say this again? open.
2: I, I I'm, not, I'm saying it probably
0: wrong. Opair, I think. I think it's. Right. I think it's the H and the R next to each other at the end that confuses me. Oh, you let need me, to let say let like
2: it this. Opair. O p i h r. Pronunciation.
0: Oh, opair oh, like opair oh, but opair. Oh, Okay. Oh dear OP. Oh dear, the au pair has drunk all the au pair. <laughs> <laughs> Um yeah no, it's really tasty. I really like it, but it is just a kind of one trick drink. It is not an all night drink. Hence why I moved on to the Bombay Sapphire, which turns out is actually quite spicy as well. I didn't realise. I'm a bit merry. Nice, full stop. There are no tasting notes to give you. You're
1: not going to give us a rating?
0: Oh, sorry. Um, I'll give the Au a 3 out of 5. I will give the Bombay a 3.5 out of 5.
2: Nice. Um, I am once again drinking the Elephant River Winemaker's Choice Shiraz Cabernet Sauvignon Wine of Argentina.
1: Elephants. You have to say it in your cup.
2: Elephants never forget. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It's just, it is right. honestly the most basic of shop wines. It is oh, so cool. everything that you think you're going to buy when you buy the second least expensive shop. Wine from the corner shop because obviously the least expensive tastes like arse, but the second most expensive is drinkable. Some people like that. Some people like it, but they're wrong. Grim much two two grapes. You
1: no, know I'm here for a tiny elephant. Two grapes. Okay. Tiny oh, so wee, so golden. So a mixed bag on the booze. I don't think there's any point in us raining, ra- raining rating mansplaining because what the fuck would be the point so thank you for listening to the show this week don't forget if you liked listening you can check us out on social media we are on instagram at grapeculture podcast we're also on twitter at grapeculture pod or if you'd like to know more about the booze that we've had this evening you can go over to our website which is www.grapeculturepodcast.co.uk and if you are listening on an apple device and you've enjoyed the show please don't forget to give us a rating out of five we love to know what you think um sadly apple use stars not grapes which is a bit of a shame for us but we'll take what you can give us and don't forget to come back in two weeks when we will have a brand new episode for you we're not sure what it's going to be about yet maybe you can get in touch on social media and tell us what you would like to hear thanks for listening and we will see you next time bye 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 just wave kim